I've been renting since I was 13 years old. My family lost the house that I grew up in to foreclosure during the great financial crisis. I was good at school, but I was not interested. I was the kind of kid that got good grades on exams and whatnot, but ultimately had bad grades because I just didn't want to do the homework. I was pretty bored. I knew that I wanted to get to work. I knew that I wanted to make money. I was kind of a hustler when I was a kid. Started my first business when I was eight years old. <laughs> Moving was really hard. We hated doing it. We avoided it at all costs. It was yeah. terrible. But now we move all the time because we want to live that way. Those cannot be our only two options. It is not economically sustainable for Americans to live that way. The future of flexible home ownership, it is inevitable. This is going to happen. Okay, so Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Of all the things you could have built, why did you decide to build in home ownership? There was never going to be anything else. It was always going to be that. This is what we're building at Roots. Is it's something that I need. It's something that everyone I know needs. <laughs> the I mean, it, it was clear there was there was never there was no choice involved. This was always going to be it. So what what exactly is Roots? Roots is a company that allows you to build equity every single month. You live flexibly as a renter does uh, while building wealth as homeowners do. It's really the best of both worlds. Interesting. Why do you think something like that hasn't been done before? There have been some companies that have uh, come up with on-ramps to whole homeownership, right? Um, over the last, well, this has been happening for a long time, but over the last 10 years, homeownership has become um, far less attainable than it ever was previously. Um, and so there are companies over the last 10 years that have that have come up, up with a new way to buy a home where you have an on-ramp, you know, you can build into a savings account each month that can eventually be converted into a down payment. I think the reason that flexible home ownership, which is what Roots offers, hasn't been done before is because in recent years, we've experienced a large cultural shift around um, the way that we approach the way that we live. Five years ago, moving was really hard. We hated doing it. We avoided it at all costs. It was yeah. terrible. But now we move all the time because we want to live that way. Post COVID, you know, we want to live flexibly. We live in a world now where we value the ability to work remotely um, and the ability to just have a flexible lifestyle. I mean, how many people do you know that are kind of nomads in some sense, right? They just pick up and move to a new city every now and again when they want to have a, a different uh, vibe <laughs> with where they're working. Um, and that wasn't the case 10 years ago. Um, and so I think it's, it's really just the perfect time to do something like this. And it wasn't as attractive to people 10 years ago as it is today. And so now if I was someone who wanted to kind of live that nomad lifestyle, how does Roots fit into that? Yeah, so with Roots, you have um, the ability to make just a one-year commitment, but experience the benefits of homeownership within that. Um, so if you want to move to a new city for a year and check it out, well, currently we're only in Las Vegas. So if you want to move to Las Vegas for a year um, and see what it's like to live there for a year, then you can you can do that. You can move into a Roots home um, and you will build equity every month in your home. What does that mean? Yeah. So I think a lot of, uh, of people don't really understand the true meaning of equity. There's this concept of ownership and this concept of equity, and they're very often conflated. Um, it, when you own a home and it's, let's say it's a $300,000 home, um, but you have $200,000 of debt on it, your equity is $100,000. It's the amount that is between the, the debt that you have on that property um, and the total value of the property. Uh, and I think a lot of the time people conflate those, those two things. Gotcha. And I so, didn't know that. Yeah. 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 
So then why would you start it in Las Vegas? Yeah. So um, first of all, I'm from Las Vegas. So a lot of our customers are actually all of our customers, for the, you know, for, for the most part, they are individuals who actually could go out and buy a home the traditional way. They have high credit, they have high income. Um, and if they wanted to go out and make the long-term commitment that a 30-year mortgage demands, they could absolutely do that. They come to Roots instead because they want to own flexibly. But considering that we are operating within the segment of the market where you have this high credit, high income um, customer, um, in Las Vegas in particular, being that Las Vegas is a, is a large service industry, one of the largest in America, if not in the world, what you see in Las Vegas is a lot of individuals who, again, have that high credit, high income, they should be able to, to go out and obtain a normal mortgage. But because they're in the service industry, either a 1099 worker or maybe they're you know self-employed, a traditional mortgage lender will not be able to underwrite them. Um, but Roots can because the the ex customer experience with Roots, you know, you need to be able to qualify effectively for a rental. You're not carrying any debt. You're not taking any loan on. Um, and so we can underwrite them. There's a massive market of those type of people in Las Vegas. So in the beginning, I asked you why you were building in home ownership and you said it wasn't even a choice. Yeah. What is that? Like, why do you say that? So it just, it, it happened. There, it very much happened. I wasn't thinking that I wanted to build something and I chose this. Um, it chose me, I guess you could say. So back in uh, in COVID days during um, summer 2021, early summer 2021, I was trying to buy a home. And I had all of the things that you're supposed to have to be able to buy a home. I had good credit. I had good income. I had savings, you know, ample down payment, all of that stuff. And I was going out and putting offers in on homes. And I just kept on having other people, you know, win the offer um, that were coming in with, with cash offers well over list price. And I was just so frustrated and thought, you know, I don't even, I don't even need to buy this whole, this whole house. I just don't want to light my money on fire anymore. I know that I'm not going to live in this house for more than the next three or five years. I just want to be able to build equity while I'm there. And so how do you go from that to now having a prop co and you raised $2 million, I think last year, How, what was the path from that to that? Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Hmm. <laughs> so actually Founders Inc. was the very first check oh, wow. in Roots. Yeah. Who was Shout the connection? Um, a friend, yeah, a, a mutual friend. Um, yeah. And so it's been a long journey. There was, there have been some, you know, changes to the model. Fundamentally, we've always been on the same mission, allow renters to build equity, allow renters to live mm -hmm. flexibly. Um, but there have been some changes in the way that we structure that. Um, but we just launched in November um, after about a year and a half. Well, now it's been a year and a half, a little over a year of getting everything teed up. We launched in November. In our first uh, 10 weeks, we got to a run rate of about $311,000 and then became waitlist only. Wow. Um, so now we have a, a wait list of, of nearly 2000 applicants that want to own flexibly in Las Vegas. How did you get those users? Cause I feel like what, like the target demographic is a very specific niche, high ticket price. How did you guys get a wait list of, of 2000? A lot of it is word of mouth. So, well, I'll talk about the wait list. I'll talk about our current customers of our current customers. 66% of them were referred to us, um, either by existing customers or by agents that we partner with. 
Our customers love us, so they tell their friends about us all the time. Our first customer referred our fourth customer. Our fourth customer has since referred four of her friends. Wow. So <laughs> there's a lot of talk about it. And then local press has been an incredible outlet for us. We had, um, it, it, it's been completely organic as well, which is awesome. We had a reporter reach out to us um, that wanted to do a piece. He just heard about it from a friend of his that was in real estate. Um, and so he wrote a piece and that led to the largest local publication reaching out to write a piece. And that led to uh, ABC News in Las Vegas reaching out to do a story on uh, 5 and, and 6 p.m. <laughs> live news wow. times. Um, and so that has been a really, really great source of leads for us. And th these homes, this is like Summerlin, Green Valley, like wh <laughs> you know what's Vegas, this? I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just curious how good the real estate is. Like, Yeah, so it's Summerlin, Green Valley, uh, Centennial Hills. Uh, it's all over the place, really. Mm. We've got properties in North Las Vegas. Today, um, we do have a mix of properties across town. Um, as we scale up, we definitely want to focus on consolidating operations in pockets of town that will lend to um, just operations at scale, right? We're talking about properties. There are some things that need to be managed with them in person. The more you can concentrate an operation into a dense region, mm. um, the more effectively you'll be able to scale. Mm. So all those guys are 1099s like that. A lot of them are um, just individuals that want to own flexibly. So we had a uh, customer move into his home about three and a half weeks ago now. He actually moved out of a home that he already owned and into a roots home. He kept his old home as a rental. Mm. Um, but he, you know, he was looking for his next place and he just wasn't sure that he, you know, he's owned before. He knows that buying a home comes with a five to 10 year commitment. That's a really long time. You, yeah. know, you on average have to hold your home for five years before you can sell it without taking a loss. That's a oh. long time. So he knew that of course, being uh, already having been a homeowner. And so when he was started looking for his next home, he thought, well, I'd really like to own this one flexibly. I'm not sure if I want to stay there for the next five to 10 years. Mm. And so he owns it for a year and then he would theoretically move out if he wanted to, but he would keep the equity in the house. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. So he can be there for one year, for seven years, you know, for any duration of time. Um, every month he'll build equity when he moves. So actually while he's in the home, if at any point in time they would like to buy the house from Roots, that option is always available to them. Um, so whether you're, oh, okay. you know, nine months in or, or six years in, you always have the option to buy the home from Roots. Um, if you want to move out of your home and really take advantage of the ability to live flexibly, then you can hold that equity that you've built as a passive investment um, or you can cash out on it. So imagine, I mean, how many, how many rentals have you lived in in your life? A lot. Imagine if you had a portfolio of, of ownership in every single one of those homes that you've lived in. That's really the opportunity that we're creating here. But, but I, I assume others have tried this model because I've seen this on like Shark Tank and pitched like renting home ownership equity and, and they've, I'm sure you've studied the market in terms of what um, made them fail. Yeah, so there there have definitely been a lot of companies that have attempted things in the sort of build ownership while renting space. A lot of them have been very successful. Home Partners was one of the earliest ones. I think they started in 2011 or 2012 yeah. and they sold to Blackstone summer 2021 for $6 billion. So. Mm. I would call that a success wow. on their part. Um, and then there's Divi Homes. Uh, there's another, yeah. another big one. They raised from Tiger Global. Their last valuation, I believe, was about $2 billion. Mm. Um, so there definitely have been some successes yeah. um, in the space. All of the companies that have entered the space so far have really been focused on the affordability angle. They've been focused on creating an on-ramp to whole home ownership, right? Mm -hmm. I like to call it, I like to <laughs> define what we're building as, as flexible home ownership. Yeah. You have to buy the whole house and then there's whole home ownership. Mm. So what those companies offer is an on-ramp to whole home ownership. My co-founder and I 
uh, late last year, after just talking to customers and, and people that were on our wait list, we realized that a lot of the demand that we were seeing for roots, it wasn't from people that were, were looking for an affordability solution. It was from people that were looking for a flexible way to own. Mm. And so we really leaned into that. And, you know, when you look at the, at the data um, in this market, it is a massive, growing, completely untapped market. In the last 10 years, um, the segment of the renting population that has grown the most is the highest income earners. In, in fact, it, they've grown 272% in the last 10 years. Wow. So individuals who are well qualified to go out and buy a home the traditional way, they are more and more electing to rent instead because it's a better fit for their lifestyle. Mm. But in doing so, they're giving up access to one of the most, if not the most important wealth building tool Americans have access to in their lives, which is home ownership. And so we, what we do at Roots is we, we really allow them to have the best of both worlds. They, they get that flexibility that they're looking for, mm. but then they have the ability to build equity. So if I were to live in a Roots house for a year mm -hmm. and then I were to move out, yeah, I still keep, let's just say $3,000 of equity in the house. Mm -hmm. And then what happens if the next person wants to buy it? Would they yeah. just buy it back from Roots? Yeah, so whether they buy it or somebody else buys it in the future, whenever that liquidity event happens, you'll be paid out on that appreciated amount. So if you you know initially put in 3,000 um, and then we'll call it you know six years later, somebody ends up buying you out for that, you know, the mechanics of, of what exactly you'd get back on that would be specific to the home, but you know, you would get a levered return mm. on that. So- Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What's stopping you guys from expanding to like California right now? Oh, okay. So there are certain parts of California that we can absolutely grow into. Um, there are other parts of California, San Francisco, Los Angeles, um, where this model does not make sense for consumers. The reason is, is that in markets where um, home prices have greatly outpaced rent increases, um, it doesn't make economic sense for the consumer. So mm. I'll, I'll, I'll break that down a little bit. If you go buy a you know, humble place in LA today, something like 1,400 square feet, um, you're likely going to pay somewhere around, you know, two and a half million. Of course, there's, it highly depends on what area and yeah. you know, the quality of home and stuff, but something like two and a half million. Market rent for that place is going to be three, four, five thousand dollars um, $5,000. And so what Roots customers pay is they pay a premium on the monthly cost of home ownership to access it in a flexible way. So if you're looking at market rent, that's, you know, we'll call it five grand, and then a premium on what would have been a $20,000 mortgage, it makes sense for you as a consumer to save that delta mm. and, and do something else with it. It's a better use of your capital. Um, however, in every other market, you know, it, with the exception of Los Angeles, San Francisco, um, New York, and then, you know, Miami and Seattle are potentially headed in that direction. This model is is really the better way to own for people that are not looking to make a five to ten year commitment. I will say, if you know, if you're first of all, this is not financial advice, but if you are looking for uh, a home that you're going to stay in for ten to fifteen years, a traditional mortgage is a really good option for you. You should consider that. You shouldn't consider that. It's not financial advice. You should do whatever you want. But actually with Roots, so in the case of Roots, um, in the first five years that you live in your home, you actually build 95% of the equity that you would have built in paying down the principal on a 30-year mortgage that had a 10% down payment. Mm. Um, in 10 years, it's 90% of the equity. So again, if you're looking to stay in, a, in your home for, for 10 to 15 years, a mortgage is a good option. Um, but if you're looking to stay in your home for something like one to eight years, then Roots allows you to build a comparable amount of equity in a flexible way. And when you're pitching investors this, what was their initial reaction? Oh, it's all over the place. I mean, I, I hop on a call with people all the time that are like, oh, I need this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is, I, I was just on a call with somebody the other day 
yesterday, I think actually, um, that told me that, you know, she has rented all over the place for the last 15 years and she has spent so much money on it and she hates thinking about it and she has absolutely nothing to show for it. And so this product is something that she really needs. And then you've got, you know, people that own and, and they don't really resonate with it as much, you know, it's kind of all over the place. And so when you're initially pitching, had you already, had you done a startup before? No. Did you study anything like this in college? No, (laughs) no, I didn't. So then what were, what was the, like, what was the, what do you think the reason was that investors kind of went with it? This is deeply personal to me. And I, I think, I hope, I feel personally that that is conveyed in in the action that I take in building this um, and, and the seriousness that I have and dedication that I have in making this a reality. The thing is, is that if the future of flexible home ownership, it is inevitable. This is going to happen. I mean, so for the first time ever, I'll tell you this, for the first time ever in Q4 2022, more built to rent units were started than built to own. That has never happened before. That is a trend that we cannot allow to continue. It would be an economic catastrophe for people yeah. our age, you know, if there's, there's more rentals. Especially supply. Vegas. You see All everywhere the, you drive on the desert. It's yeah. Just apartment buildings, right? Popping up. What is definitely true is that the reason that we have more built to rent units that we had more built to rent units being started in Q4 um, than built to own for the first time ever is because there is demand for rental products. That's why that happened, right? They wouldn't mm-hmm. be building these if there wasn't demand for it. And so we, we cannot allow as a society as to move into a future where you have, um, you know, we, we know everybody knows the American dream, right? You learn about it when you're four years old in kindergarten, yeah. uh, which is to own a home. And so, we cannot allow um, Americans to 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 exist in a society where everybody knows that home ownership is this really essential thing to building wealth. It's so important. It's something that we all want. Um, but if for any reason traditional home ownership doesn't work for you, your only other option is to light your money on fire every month. Those cannot be our only two options. It is not economically sustainable mm. for Americans to live that way. So flexible home ownership is going to happen. And this is something that I have very deeply personally experienced. I've been renting since I was 13 years old. My family lost the house that I grew up into foreclosure during the great financial crisis. And um, we moved into a very cold rental, right? And so I've been living this way for more than half my life now. I understand the problem deeply. I feel like a lot of even people my age were are, are now starting to get like get out of college, starting to think about home ownership. And like, I'm Muslim for context, right? My friends are, a lot of my friends are too. And we start looking at maybe buying a house and you realize how many like Sharia law, like Islamic rules there are around mm. it that stop you from doing that. And so when you were talking earlier, I was like, oh, I kind of see how this like doesn't, it like somehow goes around all of those. Yeah. Right. Really interesting. We're here for you. So how do you, how do you buy a home in, 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 let's say a Muslim country without, without having all the cash? I'm not sure about Muslim country. Um, so the way, and we might have to edit this out, but the way I've seen it happen is in one case, you either actually own, like you you either rent until you have enough money to pay the full amount of the house. Mm. Or there are some like scholars who say that it's okay to get a mortgage on your first house, but you can't use it as a way to build wealth. Interesting. So you can't like flip. Those things are deeply intertwined. Yeah. And then <laughs> you can separate them. Yeah. But your startup is also almost against the flipping culture. Well, not against the flipping culture, but it's it's meant so these homes are supposed to be owned and carried on the equity. Yeah. 
I don't really have a fully formed opinion on that. Um, it, it's not something I, whether or not I'm for or against flipping. It's yeah. not something I spent a lot of time on. The, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that we do have a lot of older assets in the United States that are absolutely places that can be lived in if they are given proper renovation and you know treatments to make them habitable. Mm. <laughs> um, that's actually a, a kind of a you know in New York rent's expensive, yeah. right? Houses are really expensive there. Um, and lack of units that have been renovated is is a big part of that. So um, in New York, rent control is having a really negative impact on rent supply. What happens is you get a rent controlled apartment uh, where somebody lives there for you know some period of time or many people over a long period of time. And eventually the apartment gets into a condition where it's really not habitable unless it is renovated. Mm. And with rent control, and when when there is a an amount that the that the landlord cannot earn in excess of, there's often not enough capital in the equation for the landlord to renovate it. So in New York, you have I can't remember the exact number. I, I want to say it's close to or over a hundred thousand, but you know maybe don't quote me on this. I can't remember the exact figure, but there are a lot of units in New York City that are vacant because they fall into that category. I saw TikTok about this. Yeah. In, in Soho and um, I think in Greenwich. Yeah. yeah. So if we could lift those restrictions and allow landlords a viable path to go in and repair those properties and give them the attention that they need to become habitable, we would have a bunch of supply coming online mm. in, a, in a, you know, New York is a place where there isn't any, you know, where there isn't much artificially constrained supply. Well, this is maybe a way that it is artificially constrained. Um, but what I mean to say is that there's not a bunch of land right, in New York that you can just continue building on. We need to make the best of what we have in New York City. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I am very much of the belief that uh, some alleviation of, of certain rent control restrictions in that area would be really, really good for society in New mm. York because all of that supply coming online would result in more accessibility and prices. Mm. So we talked a little bit before we started recording and you mentioned something interesting about school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you dropped out twice. I did. How does that happen? I did. Um, so we're going to have to go back to when I was 15. Okay. I was from a young age, very interested in working. I knew that I wanted to get to work. I knew that I wanted to make money. I was kind of a hustler when I was a kid, started my first business when I was eight years old. <laughs> Um, the first one failed. Started the next one when I was nine. It was successful. The, the first wait, one wait, failed. The first wait, one failed. When you're eight years old, it failed. Yeah. Oh, so well, when did you pull the plug? How did you... The day that we went live. So the day <laughs> oh, I say we. Well, the that, day lasted, I went that lasted a long time. <laughs> I'll tell you the story. It's, it's kind of a funny one. Um, so I had heard, I grew up in this awesome cul-de-sac. All of the parents were friends. All of the kids were friends. It's like truly the American dream childhood. Imagine, you know, you got a bunch of kids riding their bikes. So the sun setting in the background while the parents are all grilling in someone's yard. It was, it was awesome. I was listening. I was, I was really enjoyed just hanging out with the parents and listening to them talk. I, I actually liked that much more than playing with the kids a lot of the time. Um, so one time I, I heard one of the, the moms in the neighborhood talk about how it was always frustrating to her. She has six kids, okay? So it was always frustrating to her when there was a field trip on a day that she forgot about and she had to remember to pack snacks for her kid um, because they wouldn't be eating at the cafeteria that yep. day like they usually do. And, you know, that was frustrating to her. And I thought, hmm, I could sell you some snacks for those days. <laughs> so I had my dad help me uh, make a menu. You know, it was Microsoft Word, size 72 font, that <laughs> rainbow transition 
or no, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like I don't know what I called it, like Lauren's snacks or something like that. Um, and it was just a menu of like a little, you know, I'd pack a Ziploc bag full of different snacks: salty, sweet, sour patch, M and M's, whatever. Distributed that to all the neighbors' houses, and expected that eventually I'd start getting orders. So I took out a loan from my dad, something like you know five or ten dollars. He took me to the grocery store, and <laughs> a steep loan. Ooh. Uh, he took me to the grocery store and he helped me get the inventory that I needed, you know, so I'd be able to fulfill these orders whenever they started rolling in. So, you know, fast forward some, I don't know if this was the next day or a few days later, weeks later or what, but at some point I get a phone call in the morning before school. One of the neighbors, one of the neighboring moms, Kim, she wanted snacks for her son's field trip that day. She wanted a bag of Sour Patch Kids. And I was so excited. So when my dad had uh, taken, when we got home from the store, when he was uh, you know, helping me secure my inventory, my mom put all of the snacks on top of the refrigerator so that my brother wouldn't eat them. All right. So then on the day that I got this order, I'm like, mom, you know, Kim called. She wants, she's going to pay $5 or $3 or something for this. Can you get me the Sour Patch off the top of the fridge? She goes to get it. My dad ate them. They were gone. Wait, your dad ate them my who gave you them. the money yeah. to buy? What kind of sabotage is really this? That's an investor, bad investor story, right? Yeah. Your investor. He ate them. Yeah. So. I was devastated. I started crying. My mom, my mom called Kim to tell her because I couldn't face it. I was, <laughs> I was so embarrassed and ashamed. But my she dad was had nine done years old, and her next company was a crypto stablecoin. <laughs> <laughs> my next company was an eBay store. I was buying and selling, uh, actually not buying and selling. I was really just selling anything in my parents' house that they would let me. <laughs> okay. So they not would not flipping, you. just, just, just getting rid of things. Yeah. Like, Mom, you know, we, we don't really use this toaster. I was like, oh, once you're done microwaving my food, can we sell that too? <laughs> well, it, I think it started with books. So it's, it's actually started. So when I was a kid, there was a book series that I really liked called Junie B. Jones. And I read, I don't know if that's a, maybe yeah, a girl mystery. thing. Is that the mystery one? Yeah. It's, yeah. But it, it's not a mystery. It's not really. Uh, I'm thinking about Cam Jensen. Yeah, the J, something that starts with a J. Um, <laughs> I, I I know what you're talking J, about. There was one. You know, every time a new one came out, I always got it. I, I loved it. It was my favorite book series. And so there was um, there was one that I could. They didn't have it in the bookstore, and so I was looking for where I could get it. I was looking online, and um, I found it on eBay. And so then I just had after I got it. You know, I realized, wait a minute, somebody else is going to want this book. Mm. And they're not going to be able to find it. And I got it on eBay. I bet I could sell it for more than I got it for on eBay. <laughs> so, pitching us Amazon. So I did. So her next company was Arbitrage. <laughs> so not too far from crypto stablecoins. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, that's that's how it all started. And eventually, it got to the point that my my parents they they made a deal with me because I was I was being a little greedy with all the things that I could get my hands on to list on eBay in our house. I mean, they made a deal with me. Okay, from now on, we will buy you a book a week that you can sell on eBay as long as you read it first. So we're gonna quiz you at the end of the week and make sure that you actually read the book. So they'd read and then it too? you can sell it. I don't know. You know, I'm sure they probably just asked me, you know, questions that yeah. could give them some indication that I actually, I always did read them. You okay. know, I was genuinely interested in them. Um, that was So you passed the quizzes? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sold every book I had. <laughs> so where does how do you get to dropping out twice? Yes. Um, so I was always interested in working from a young age, yeah. and I was I was good at school, but I was not interested. I was the kind of kid that got you know good grades on exams and whatnot, but ultimately had bad grades because I just didn't want to do the homework. I was pretty bored. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, so at 15, I got um, a flyer in the mail one day about this program where I could go to school at uh, CSN College of Southern Nevada or UNLV, uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And um, while going to school there, I would get credits um, for my high school classes. Yeah. So a dual credit program. Um, and so I signed up for that right away. So my my junior year of high school, I spent doing that. And then I, I got a job. So right at the same time that I started going to university, I also um, got my first job. Well, not my first job, but um, my first like big girl job. Yeah, was it? <laughs> it was actually a, a clothing startup. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was their, their first hire. What were you doing? It was great. Um, everything, you know, as a first hire at any company, that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, eventually, you know, I was titled director of operations when we later moved to LA and really started scaling the business. Um, but in, in the beginning, I don't even know if I had a title. Makes like, sense. We'll pay you this much every week and I'll just come in and do whatever we need. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's the way it goes. Um, so I was working there for about a year when they said, you know, my boss called me and one of the owners said, you know, Lauren, it's been, it's so nice working with you. And because of, you know, where, how we've grown really since you've, you've joined us, we got to move to LA. We can't stay in Las Vegas any longer. We need to be closer to the ports. You know, it's an import business effectively. Yeah. Um, so they needed to be closer to LA. As soon as you graduate from school, we'd love to have you come out and join us. You know, I'm sure you want to stay and finish school. And I thought, well, I can always go back to school. Yeah. This sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm not interested in school. I'm interested in this work that I'm doing with you. I'm having the time of my life and we're growing this business and it's, you know, so much fun. Yeah. So the problem was that I didn't have a high school diploma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, because you were doing the Because I'm thing. a junior in high school at this point. Yeah. Gotcha. I was, wow, you fit perfectly in here. There's so many people. <laughs> don't have high school diploma, don't have college. Well, I'm very happy to have lived the life that I have and I'm super happy to be where I am. And the experience that I have, the experiences that I have lived have gotten me to the point that I am today. Mm -hmm. um, and while being fully educated through a you know four-year university degree was not a part of that, there were many other experiences that I had that led me to this point, so... So, so you moved to LA. So um, I found out, so the problem was, you know, when I got this call, um, I wanted to move to LA. I knew that I needed to take this opportunity, but also I didn't have my high school diploma yet. And I felt that that was something that I had to have. Yeah. Right? I didn't know if I would have, you know, what if I got a job one day where they wanted to see my high school diplomas? I don't know how the real world worked. Right? So I, I figured out that I could, um, what I could do is I could take the, found this kind of loophole um, where you could take the final exam for every class that you needed credits for. And if you scored over you know, 75% or, or something like that, then you would get that grade for the semester and then you could get a diploma. So I tested out of all my classes. I studied for you know, a couple of weeks or however long it took to do that, tested out of all of my classes, got my high school diploma. And the day after my 17th birthday, I moved to LA. Wow. wow. What did your parents think of that? I've asked my mom that before. I asked her that fairly recently actually. And she just said, you never gave me a choice. You know, you were just, you were going to do that. And there was no stopping you. That's awesome. So then you're 17, you moved to LA by yourself. What are you doing? I was working for this company. Yeah. This clothing company. It was, it was so fun. Oh my gosh. It was so, so, so much fun. Um, it was really just, you know, startup energy, right? We were Working all the time. We, so I lived in West Hollywood and our office was in downtown LA. Actually, downtown LA is not really correct. It was more like South Central. It was Slauson and 51st, if Ooh. you're familiar. Oof, that's not a great. That's not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, you know, we, we were at the office 
12, 14, 15 hours a day all the time. There were several times that I just slept on the couch at the office because it, I didn't want to lose the 45 minute each way commute, you know, that it was going to take me to losing an hour and a half when I have all the stuff that I want to do. And it's kind of a long time. So I just sleep on the couch at the office. Sometimes ask one of my colleagues to stop by on the way to work and grab a toothbrush for me Mm. (laughs) so I can keep working. Um, yeah, I really had the time of my life when I, when I started there as their first employee, we're at about 120,000 in annual revenue. And, um, at the two year mark, we were a bit over 2 million. It was a, that's really Pretty cool. Quick growth. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not software, right? So it doesn't quite scale in the, in the same mm, way we're talking sure. about clothes. So it was, it was pretty big growth. And you had equity? No, no, no. Do you have home ownership? <laughs> 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 and so that was the first time you dropped out, I'm guessing. Yes. And what was the second time? So the second time, um, it was in 2020, I went back to school. I did two semesters. Uh, at this point in time, I was working at uh, wing venture capital um, and studying online at the same time. And a couple of semesters in, I just realized, man, so my, my, my hope then at that point in time was that I was going to finish my undergrad so that I could consider going to law school. Very interested in human rights law, care mm. a lot about, maybe you've noticed people and society, just <laughs> making sure that humans have the things they need to succeed in life. Um, so I was very interested in that, but then, you know, two semesters in, I just thought, <sighs> eight years of school, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've already got this pretty good career going for myself. I you know, feel like I am in a point in my life where I can do pretty much anything that I want. Um, I just have to find the right way to navigate it. Am I really going to spend the next eight years going to school to ultimately, you know, have a career in something that we know, you know, lawyers are notoriously stressed out all the time. Yeah. Is there maybe another way that I could help people and, you know, accomplish the, goal that I have, right? It's not really a goal, but just, I'm just really interested in making the human experience a better one. Mm. Um, and so I thought, yeah, okay, I just, I can't handle this anymore. I'm not interested in this anymore. I, I, I don't think that this is, I don't think that this is a prerequisite for me to succeed in the way that I want to succeed in life. So yeah. I dropped out again. So I'm curious, what do you think? Cause you've been through college, right? You went through yeah. like the traditional mm. a little bit. Now you come here. Right. And you're like surrounded by all these people that are just like, I'm not going to high school. I'm not going to college. We've talked a lot about it. Yeah. Um, how do you think your perception of college leading to a career has changed? I, I think tech has changed everything. Right. Like you, you guys, I, when I was going to school, like even cameras, we'd spend, I don't know, it cost like 25K probably to have this set up. True. And then someone to edit it, someone to, I don't know, color grade it. It would take weeks to produce something we're doing right now in what, an hour? Yeah. And you guys pick up the skills so fast. So I think your ability just to do things has changed a lot where I don't think 10 years ago, this is as applicable. Mm. Right. I don't with, with, without, without this level of tech, I mean, you can chime in if it was 10 years ago that I dropped out for the first time. Yeah. 11 years ago. Actually. But do you think like if you, let's say you dropped out 10 years ago and you had the roots idea, I assume it would be a logistically harder to build it yourself. What would you do without Stripe Atlas and Mercury? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question, right? There's, it is I, don't a tough question. I don't know. I don't know what the right answer, answer is. Yeah. It, I mean, we kind of talked about this at the beginning. 10 years ago, flexible home ownership wasn't really culturally top of mind yeah. in the way that it is today. True. I think the, the reason you guys go to school is different too. What would you say it is now? Well, you went to school, I mean, close to where you live. I went to school across the country True. to like, right. 
I guess, network. I guess it is the same. If you have a network, it seems like that's all that really matters. I think if, I don't think it's network as much as it is opportunity, Mm. right? Like there are some people who they can go through all four years of school at a really good school and still not be able to find a job for two or three years after. Mm. And then there are people who can go to a school in the middle of nowhere, but they still end up with better job offers than someone with a PhD that's more applicable to their life. Mm. Mm. And it also goes back to, I mean, you were talking about it, but like passion and like kind of having a direction for what you want to do. I think college, a lot of people go to college to figure it out. Yeah, it's a great place to go if you don't know exactly what you want right. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm really lucky that I always had kind of strong conviction in everything that I did from a young age. Just, yeah. That's that's the way my mind is. Mm. I, I did not choose this. Selling uh, books, stable coins. <laughs> Never stable coins. Hmm? Never stable coins. Never? Never stable coins. Just, it makes sense. It's the trajectory. Right. right. So I want to ask you our rapid fire questions. Okay. What is the most shocking thing you found about home ownership in the last two years? The most shocking thing about home ownership? Oh, yeah. Um, so in the last 10 years, yeah. So I've talked a few times now about how home ownership is a very powerful wealth building tool, one of the most important that we have access to. I think that when it, people don't necessarily on the surface understand how significant it really is. Mm. So to quantify that, over the last 10 years, the S&P has returned, S&P 500 has returned about 175%, maybe 165 now. Um, in the same period of time, levered home equity has returned 650%. Wow. So it is a massive, massive difference. But is the cap gains tax different? Return value. Uh, the, well, I mean, there's, there's different treatments that apply to both of those. And mm. then you've got to consider if it's an investment or personal investment. And if yeah. you get the, uh, the t- you know, if you live there for two years, then you get different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are some things to consider there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, ultimately the returns are the, the, the Delta in those two returns is so yeah. high yeah. Uh, that, you know, even if you invested three times the amount in the S and P you'd still return more in yeah. levered home yeah. equity. Right. True. True. <laughs> Worst advice. All right. Right. Yeah. Worst advice you've worst ever advice. received about anything. Anything in yeah. my life. The worst advice. Oh gosh. I don't, I don't know what the worst. I, 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 I don't know. I don't hold on to that. Whatever it is. I have no idea. That's good for you, I guess, for your Worst advice. I'm sure I've received a ton of bad advice. You guess stay in school with everyone. That was the last one. That was no, yesterday. I mean, that's uh, uh, advice given in- <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> you know, whoever has told me to stay in school, you know, they that led to them having a good experience in school and that was the right thing for them to do. And I think that's, you know, then good advice for them to give someone else. It's just not necessarily mm. good advice for someone else to receive. Okay. I don't know. I don't mm. feel strong. Well, favorite restaurant in Vegas? Mm. What is don't say you can't answer that. There's a few, there's a, definitely, Vegas has great food. Um, there's a hole in the wall Thai place downtown called DE Thai. Mm. It's on third, I think it's on third street. Um, it's great. It's, you know, 500 square feet. It's really small. Yeah. Like three tables. Is that there. on the Fremont it's thing? It's on Charleston and third. Okay. So what do you think about roots? Do you need it? Do you want about it? Roots? Do you want it? It was in California. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> yeah. And you might move to Vegas. I, I would have, I would have probably liked having it if I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. What but. is your, what has been your, um, what do you like about renting and what do you don't like about renting? What are, I like the fact that if something breaks, someone else fixes it for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I like the fact yeah. that I don't have to pay HOA. Um, and then I like the fact that I can leave in two months or at the end of my lease. That's mm-hmm. my biggest thing too. I don't stay in one place mm-hmm. long. So that's, that's it. Yeah. yeah I also not- don't like tying up my money into things. True. 
Like I'm not trying to like dump like a quarter. I'm a, I love going to Las Vegas, so you can only deduce what my habits <laughs> where, are. Where your yeah, where where, where your money goes, where my money and entertainment budget goes. So Gordon Ramsay's restaurants. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Gordon Ramsay's restaurants not great in Vegas. I wouldn't point that as I've one been of to one spots in Vegas. Yeah, but I also had like the. That's like a touristy. Yeah. It would take it would take you to good spots. Uh, well, can I, I eat anything like at any of the good spots? Have. Yeah, halal, halal, Are there any good halal spots? I've been to one that was okay. I don't know what it was called. Some it was on the strip. Place. Yeah. There's a lot, guys. I mean, ah, come on. I can get that five minutes from my apartment. <laughs> That's true. That I, uh, we'll, 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 we'll find some spots. Some good Mediterranean. Take we'll take care Domino's. of you. What's it? Because you can't eat it at the steakhouse. I can't. I well, you could eat the fish. Uh, the salmon. All right, man. Okay. Okay. He almost died of a food allergy. <laughs> All right. This podcast, good luck with this one, Eric. Okay. Um, I have two rapid fire questions for you, left. Okay. First one is, how did you meet your co-founder? He slid into my DMs on Twitter. <laughs> Time. <laughs> <laughs> Get one. That's the first one where we've had, right? Slid into the DMs, like co-founder. Yeah. Yeah. So he had recently left a, a food delivery startup that failed. He was the first hire there. Um, he built you know, all the software that, that scaled them up to about a million dollar run rate over 30 weeks. He is, wow. Sam is excellent. So his wife is a travel nurse. Um, and so Sam is you know, the exact archetype of, of a Roots customer. He's somebody that should own, could own, um, if not for the fact that because his wife's a travel nurse, they move every you know, year mm. or so. Um, and so he was interested in what we were building. And it was uh, he actually before the food delivery startup, he was a commercial real estate broker. Mm. Um, so he had a, you know experience in that world of things. So it's kind of the intersection of what he'd done and what he was interested in. And he's a, uh, you know, fits the customer persona, yeah. you could say. Uh, so he reached out on Twitter, just sent me this message that I couldn't not reply to um, about uh, his experience and whatnot and wanted to see if there was anything that he could help with and if we could hop on a call. So we spoke the next day, started working together the day after that. Uh, originally, I hired him as our founding engineer. The truth is, is that from the very first day we started working together, he was my co-founder. He was just grossly mistitled. Yeah. Uh, and so in August of, of last year, 2022, I co-founder proposed to him. <laughs> our, our branding used to be neon green. <laughs> and so I got a neon, this was actually, you know, KP from Rollfy. This was KP yeah. from Rollfy's idea. I was asking oh, him, how should how I do it? Imran and Labib? Uh-huh, yeah, okay. well, ODX. ODX, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so K KP, I asked you, know, what should I do? Do you have any ideas? I want to make this just, oh. Sam is the most pragmatic person I've ever met in my life. And so I thought it would be really funny to just make this incredibly over the top and <laughs> just do the absolute most. Uh, so I had his wife help me plan everything out. And yeah, KP's idea was get a neon green ring pop, get on one knee, because that was our brand back yeah. then and do a proposal. So his wife helped, helped me coordinate it. We went to some place on the strip. Um, Chand oh. Chandelier bar in Cosmo, and I got to one again. I was like, "It's been a pleasure." Wait, you, you you did it in the Chandelier bar? Yeah, like in front of people. Yeah, that's, that's I was trying to do wife. the most. <laughs> trying to do the most. This is you know, yeah. His wife is like the best. She's it's like know, one of the most well known the whole bars thing. like on the strip. Like oh god, so it's like yeah, it's really it's it's a nice yeah, nice, <laughs> interesting. It was great. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's great. Uh, Roots.homes. www.roots.homes. You can join our wait list if you live in Las Vegas. You also, if you want roots to exist in your city, you can request the next market there. Go we ahead. will absolutely consider that when we decide, start deciding where we will move to after Las Vegas. Um, I'm on Twitter, Lauren L. Self. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for watching. Make sure you leave a like, comment, subscribe, all the YouTube things, and we will see you next week.